a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. You're listening to Inspire On The Go. It's your weekly dose of fun, encouragement, real-life conversations, and all things women's ministry, regularly featuring segments from Andrea's radio show, Truth On The Go. If you find yourself on the go, then this is the podcast for you. Now, welcome your host, Andrea Lennon, as we talk about all the great truths that we can take with us as we go through our day. Hey, sweet friends, it's Andrea. I hope that your day is off to a great start. I know that many of you were able to join us at our Inspire Women's Conference that was held in March at First Baptist Church in Russellville. We had 900 women from across Arkansas who came together to worship the Lord, to study the the Bible together, to fellowship together, to be equipped in practical areas of our daily lives. And we talked about the theme of radiance. Uh, We talked about what does it mean to live a radiant life for Jesus Christ, Marian Jordan Ellis was our keynote speaker, and she brought powerful, inspiring um, messages from God's holy word. And I am so thankful to share with you that we recorded those messages. And so over the next couple of weeks here on our podcast, we're going to share those teaching times. So today we're going to hear the main session uh, from the morning session as Marian challenged us to look at the Lord and to ultimately behold him so that we will become like him. So uh, enjoy this version of Inspire on the Go, where we're looking at what it means to be radiant for Jesus Christ. Hi, my name is Marion, and it's an honor, a privilege, a joy to be back with you this year. I mean, I, I just thought about you since last year and just what in a great movement of God we saw, and it's, so it's such an honor. And uh, for some of you who are new, I just want to briefly tell you who I am. I am a product of God's grace and redemption. Uh, this is my family. Ta-da! Yeah. Uh, Satan had an agenda for my life. It started very early in my life. He um, came after me with a very broken childhood, uh, some abuse that was uh, very scarring to me. I ended up walking in the ways of the world in darkness. But when I was 25, Jesus rescued me from myself and from the script that Satan had written for me. So this family you see is not only the product of just God's amazing, amazing grace, undeserved grace in my life, but also of walking with him and believing that God has better than for us than we can even ask or imagine. Amen. So I just wanted to share that for you because, I mean, I got married at 38, had a baby at 43. So Jesus is not finished with your story. Okay. Oh, Father, we come in this room this morning and we just want to laugh. What a joy it is to be together as women, to, to study your word, to behold your glory, to find out and discover who we are, that we are not accidents that our lives are not uh, unimportant, but you have a specific call and a purpose for each one of us. So Father, we ask by the power of the name of Jesus that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit this morning. Father, my flesh profits nothing, but your spirit brings life. So life-giving spirit would you pour on us as that rain pours outside. We are thirsty and we want more of you. And we pray all this in the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
I'm gonna do a little housekeeping. If you have an empty seat next to you, ladies, there's a bunch up here. I just wanna help people who are looking for a seat, grab a seat, um, not to make you embarrassed, but there are a bunch right in here in the middle. Um, I am a Texas girl. Any Texas natives in the house? Woo! Part of being a Texas girl um, is, you know, I, I, live, I lived in Houston for 15 years. I now live in San Antonio, but I grew up on dirt roads. Any dirt road people? I mean, dirt roads. We had a well. I grew up on dirt roads. I didn't wear shoes from like May to September. This was my childhood, okay? And we had a farm and we had horses. I grew up loving horses. It was probably just the, um, in the midst of some darkness in the middle of my childhood, um, these animals and this outdoors was really an escape for me in many ways. Um, I grew up riding horses. I grew up with my grandmother had some ducks, the meanest things you would ever see in your life. I, my, me, we played tag, me and the ducks. That was our job. Um, I also had um, a little pot belly pig. A little pig ran around the farm. It's really fun. But if you grew up in the country, you know that you may own one dog, right? But there are about 10 that call your front yard home. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we had this posse of dogs that ran around. They chased cars. They would wait out the door for any person to come by to give them a little pet. And what happened over time is this one pig began to take up with these dogs. And that pig ran around and chased cars. That pig developed a little grunt-like bark and it would just wait there for a treat, just like every other dog. And here's the problem. That pig wasn't a dog. But when it looked around, it went, you got four legs, I got four legs. You got a tail, I got a tail. You like food, I like food. Can I get a witness? And so the pig thought it was a dog but that's not what God created it to be. Our conversation this weekend is about becoming women who are radiant. Well, if we're gonna be women who are radiant, that word radiant means that there's a light within you that comes out of you and it's so bright that it illuminates. Can everyone say illuminate? It illuminates the darkness. Well, here's the problem. We're like my pig. So many of us have been in the world, around the world, living in the midst of a culture that is so opposed to our God, so opposed to his beauty and truth that calls dark light, that calls truth error. Our world is so opposed to our gods, but we have become accustomed to looking like it. And I don't say that to condemn or to shame. I'm speaking to myself that as a Christian, when God says that you are called to be radiant, that means we are going to look different than the world around us, and that's okay. Amen. That's okay. And I hope one thing that we walk away from this weekend is embracing that call and saying, it's okay for me to be different. It's okay for me to do things that are different than the world because I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to the same fears that my neighbors and coworkers and people around me have. And it's not that we judge them, we do not do that. What we do is we show them a light illuminates a path, right? A light is an instrument of healing. A light is a beacon of hope when you're on a lost sea. 
So if we're radiant women, we're not condemning the world. We're actually the light in the midst of the world for the world to see Jesus. And let's, that's where we're going to start today. In Matthew chapter 5, what I want you to know is this call to radiance is actually a theme that comes throughout Scripture. Throughout the Bible, as you're turning to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, I want you to understand that when we get these glimpses of heaven into the throne room of God, what the biblical writers, all they can say is, whoa, it was bright. You know, they, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, John, the apostle, when they see heaven and they see God, it is so blinding bright with his glory. Everyone say glory. Here's what happens in response. First of all, they fall on their faces because they're oh so overwhelmed by the presence of God. But two, they have no words except, I've never seen something so luminous, so beautiful, so bright, so splendor, okay? This is the word that we get when we talk about the throne room of God because God, Jesus, is, as he said in John 8, verse 12, he is the light of the world, okay? Now, here's the crazy thing. When Jesus spoke to us, his disciples, disciples, a disciple is a follower, someone who says, I'm committing my life to follow you because I believe you are the only hope, you're the only way, and you're the only one. Amen? So when Jesus spoke to his disciples, here's what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world, a world that is filled with darkness and hate where kids are kidnapped and sold and a world that people tear each other apart and a world that someone's after their own good and a world that's filled with um, just vile darkness. Guess what? We don't complain about it. We don't hate it. Jesus says you illuminate it. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light, turn to your neighbor and say, let your light. Let your light shine before others. Why? Why do we let our light shine? Why are we radiant women? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Now, if you see the word good works and you start to bristle, you think, oh wait, I'm not saved by my works. That's absolutely true. We're not. We're saved, we are redeemed by the unbelievable, unmistakable grace of God that rescues us. Guess where it rescues us from? Colossians tells us that when Jesus came, he rescues us from the domain of darkness. Colossians 1. And then he transfers us into the kingdom of light. Now, we are now citizens of a world that is steeped in darkness, but our citizenship is in heaven, which is light. So we live in this world as lampposts pointing people home. We live in this world as lampposts pointing people home. And now our good works, they're not to earn our salvation, but they're the evidence. Everyone say evidence. They're the evidence that we have it. They're the evidence that we belong to the King of glory. It's the evidence that the light of the world lives in me. 
because it's not me striving to try to be his child. It's I am his child, therefore I look like him. I have a two and a half year old daughter who has frizzy curly hair and big blue eyes and she's about seven foot tall, you know, already. Guess who she looks like? (laughs) And when you're a child of God, the Bible says you look like him. The Bible does not have a category for a Christian who still lives in the darkness and wants to look like the rest of the world. I won't read these scriptures, but on your notes, Ephesians 5, 8, 9 says this, that we were once darkness, but we're now light. And the reason that we live as light is because we want to please God. That's our heart. We want to please him. First Peter 2, 9 through 12 talks about it this way. It says that we were called out. We were called out. That word is the same word as ecclesia. That's what the church means. It's the called out ones. Well, help me out. What were we called out of? We were called out of the darkness. It says you are the called out ones, you are the chosen ones, so that you can be the light of the world. If you have your notes, I want you to put this down. Jesus and his word make it clear. Our call is to live a radiant life, a radiant life, so that others can see his glory. Everyone say glory. Glory. Oh, it's one of my favorite things in scripture, seeing the glory of God. See his glory and know him. Jesus and his word make it clear. Our call is to live a radiant life. Everyone say radiant. Radiant Radiant life so that others can see his glory. Whose glory? God's glory, God's glory and know him. Now, what does this look like? I want to give you an example from the Old Testament of what this looks like because the the essence of this is is what we behold, we become. Everyone say it with me. What we behold, we become. And because God, Jesus, is the radiant one, Jesus, it says in Hebrews that he is the fullness of God's glory. He is the radiant one. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. So when we behold him, we become like him. Okay, and we're going to see this illustrated in the story of Moses. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. While you're turning there, I'm going to give us a little bit of context for what's going on. God has called a man named Moses. Check your veggie tales. If you have any uh, background you need to know, you can see what season of life I'm in right now. Okay. God called Moses um, to deliver his people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt, which is a parallel to our deliverance out of slavery to sin. Their Pharaoh is our Satan, okay? And so God calls Moses to go, and he goes to uh, Pharaoh. They have the whole showdown. Finally, the people of God are released from bondage or slavery, and they are heading to the promised land. God took them out to take them in, okay? On their way there, God is forming them as a nation. He's forming the covenant he's making with them, and he's giving them his law, okay? So that they can, ha- they can know how to relate with him as his people. Meanwhile, Moses has gone up on the mountain to meet with God, and after everything they've seen God do, after him displaying his glory, and we talked about this last year, parting the Red Sea, where they could walk through on dry ground, all the miracles, everything. The people, their hearts, turn back 
to the gods of Egypt, okay? And while Moses is away, they build an idol and they begin to worship this false god, okay? We see these stories so we can understand A, our own hearts, and the unfathomable mercy and grace of God, okay? So Moses comes before God because here's what's happened. God says, I'm going to be faithful to my word. He had promised Abraham, I'm going to give you this land and I'm going to make you a people. And God says, I'm going to be faithful to keep my word. But here's the the one part that's going to happen. Because they have rebelled against me, because they've turned to this other God, my presence, everyone say my presence. He says, my presence will not go with you. Okay. So here's where Moses has a hissy fit, okay? Here's where Moses says, oh, no, you didn't. You know, Moses is like, that cannot happen. So what we're going to step into the story is Moses is prostrate before the Lord. He is begging God, do not send me with these people over there without you going with me, okay? Summary. Um, (laughs) Exodus. Exodus 33 verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Pause right there. So Moses has been interceding and his one desire is God, please, please do not take your presence away from us. And here's why. Notice this. Verse 15, and he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. Verse 16, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? Everyone say with us. So that we are distinct. Everyone say distinct. That we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth. I want you to write this on your notes real quick. It is the presence of God that distinguishes us from the world. It is the presence of God that distinguishes us from the world. See, Moses knew that because when they came out of Egypt, the Shekinah glory, everyone say glory, the Shekinah glory of God was with them, a cloud by day and a fire by night. His glory, the Shekinah glory was with them. Everyone say with them. This is the key to understanding the radiant life. It's not your power. It's not your good works. It's not anything. It's the with us God who illuminates your soul and the world can see him, okay? And so Moses said, I ain't going in there without you because we are powerless, we are hopeless, and the one thing that sets us apart, distinguishes us, makes us unique is that our God is with us, okay? And so Moses got this, and that is the same truth for us as Christ's followers. We're not just trying to be good people. We have the presence of the living God who indwells us, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Guess where he lives? In us. 
So we should walk into a room and when women are gossiping and tearing each other down, our presence should bring a conviction because we're gonna love that person. You know what I'm saying? The presence of God distinguishes us from the world. And it's about time we wake up and realize there is a Holy Spirit power not to do crazy kooky stuff, just, but just to make us nice. <laughs> just to help us love. Some of us are afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's like, but you need me because you're cranky, you know? <laughs> Moses doesn't stop there. I want you to understand, when Moses is begging for God's presence, he's understanding that it's the Shekinah glory of God. And he never gets to a point that he's satisfied, and neither should we. Picking back up, and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, verse 17, I will do for you, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Basically, God just says, I've given you grace in your mind. Ladies, every person who's in Christ has been given the exact same thing that Moses has received. You have been given grace, undeserved favor, and he knows you by name, you're his child. Moses said, please, if this is the truth, show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. That's the covenant name of God, meaning his steadfast love. So pause right there. So God and Moses are having this conversation. Moses makes it clear, you're the thing that sets us apart. So if you're not going with us, don't send me because I ain't going. And God says, I'll do it. And Moses doesn't stop there. He said, I want more of you. Show me your glory. So to paraphrase over the next couple of chapters, and I challenge you to go read it, God says, come on up. You want more of me? I'm gonna give you more of me. And Moses goes back up on the mountain and up there, God reveals, God descends upon the mountain and God reveals himself to Moses. He, show, he speaks his name, he reveals his character. Moses is hidden behind the rock. This freaked me out when I was a new believer. I'm like, Moses saw God's back. And God, he gets this glimpse of the glory of God, okay? And it transformed him. He gets this glimpse of the glory of God till we get to Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. It says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face was radiant. He didn't get it. That his, the skin of his face was radiant because he had been talking with God. Why was he radiant? Because he had been talking with God. Ladies, we become what we behold. We become what we behold. And here's what I want you to put on your notes. The presence of God transforms us from the inside out. Not only does the presence of God distinguish us from the world, but it is in being in his presence, beholding his glory, spending time with the Lord that we become new creations, that we are transformed 
from the inside out. Your theme verse for the weekend is Psalm 34, 5, which says this, those who look to him are radiant. Everyone say radiant. radiant. Their faces are free from shame. If I could say my whole life story in one verse, that's it. I came to Jesus at 25 with so much brokenness, so much shame, so many addictions, so many strongholds, completely weighed down by guilt and shame, and I was not transformed by Oprah. <laughs> I was not transformed by any, any method of human endeavor. What has transformed my life where I can stand before you and tell you, I am free, I'm alive, I'm whole, I am who he says I am, is beholding the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's supernatural. And I want to give hope to anyone right now who feels like you're stuck in something you can't break free from. Let me tell you, the power for your breakthrough is in the face of Jesus. Behold his glory. And that's what he does. That's what he does. I want to tell you in our time left this morning, just to kind of give you a glimpse of what this looks like. These are not things I want us to strive for, but these are evidences. Everyone say evidences. These are the evidences of a woman who is filled with the light of God. And because she's so filled with the light of God, her light illuminates the darkness around her, okay? Um, these are three facets of a radiant woman. Number one, a radiant woman loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. Before I was born again, I was hot mess express and I was working in Houston, trying to fill my life with everything the world said would make me happy. I was drinking, hooking up with guys, all of that, just normal world stuff. But I was empty and desperate, empty and desperate. And I was searching. And I tell you that because every one of you right now, if you love Jesus, there are women around you who fit the profile I just gave you every one of you, and you're being watched by someone. I got to a point of emptiness and I cried out to God for help. I was in a bar, God can hear you anywhere. I was in a bar and I said, God help. And um, because I'd grown up in the church, although a legalistic and very religious form of the church, I knew two things, there was a God and I knew enough, I'd seen my mama pray long enough, if I called out to him, he would answer. And so I called out to God, I said, help, and um, a friend invited me to her church the next week. And I just wanna say, the church of Jesus Christ is still his answer for the hurt of humanity. So I came to church and I heard the gospel, okay? And I realized for the first in my life, I'm a sinner and I need a savior and thank you, Jesus, okay? That was step one. But I still was 
tied to that old lifestyle. I was still very much living in that old lifestyle and I didn't know how to walk as a Christian. And praise God, my church very quickly got me in this women's small group. I was in this small group Bible study. And all of these girls, in my opinion, they were beautiful and perfect. And none of their clothes were too revealing like mine were. And they didn't cuss like I did. And I thought in my head, I could never be a good Christian girl like this. And shame and guilt. Okay, And they didn't do anything to make me feel that way. This was all the enemy. Same enemy that tempted me into sin, guess what, is the same one who condemned me. Did you know that? The same liar who tempts us into sin is the same one who condemns us. Okay, And so here I am in this small group, and there's this one girl named Amy. And I watched Amy's life week after week because we're in the same season of life. We were both single and we were both dating. And in my mind, I was trying to be good so that God would love me. But meanwhile, Amy just loves Jesus. Like she can't wait to get up in the morning and spend time with Jesus. And because she loves Jesus, this, this dictates how she dates. It dictates how she carries herself. It, was, it changed how she dressed. And so I watched Amy's life and I saw that deep within her, she wasn't trying to keep rules. She wasn't trying to be this religious person. She just loved Jesus. So therefore she wanted to live for Jesus. And I remember one night, I left that small group and I went down to my car and no one had taught me how to pray yet, okay? And so I just talked to God like I talked to anyone and I said, we got a problem. <laughs> I said, Amy has something I don't have. I said, Amy loves you more than anything else in the world. So I said, here's the deal, Jesus. You're gonna give me a heart to love you. And I'm pointing at the ceiling of this little Toyota Camry like he's right there, okay? You're gonna give me a heart to love you more than anything else in this world because here's what I know. I can't live for you if I don't love you. And God, I feel like it was the same interaction that Moses had. It was me just saying, I can't do this. Unless you do this, I can't do this. And here is the supernatural outworking grace of God that he said in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will cause you to follow my ways. But I want you to understand the point of this story. The point of that story is that me seeing a woman absolutely head over heels in love with Jesus, who it wasn't religion, it wasn't following rules, it was her just enraptured with the glorious one, made me want what she had. Anybody watch Hallmark movies? What are we looking at? We're watching these people and it's like, you know, Christmas time and Hallmark are now like, they're like one, right? We can't separate them, but we're watching these. And even if you're happily married, you're like, oh, I want that, <laughs> right? Because we're watching love 
And I don't care if you're like smitten with love. When you watch someone in love, you want to be in love again. And ladies, that's what the world needs to see, that we go, Jesus, you're better. Jesus, you're better. Jesus, you're so good. And he is. And God supernaturally answered that prayer because I fell head over heels in love with Jesus and I still am. Because he freed me. He healed me. He forgives me daily. He is better than life. And how do you not love that God? So a redeemed, a radiant woman loves Jesus. But here's the second part. How much do you love someone if you don't spend time with them? Ouch! Someone say, ouch! Right? <laughs> Me and my husband have this conversation a little, a couple of times a year. You know, if you love someone, you spend time with them. And so that's your second point. A radiant woman meets with Jesus. A radiant woman meets with Jesus. I want to, I don't mean to step on a toe, but if, if it fits. <laughs> Being busy for God is not the same as being with God. And I have a room filled of women. I can, I, I was telling Andrea earlier when we were worshiping, like they're hungry for the Lord. You can feel it. It's awesome. It's beautiful. He, he delights in it. And I'm wondering if some of us are so hungry because you've been doing ministry at your church so hard and for so long, you don't remember the last time that you personally just sat with Christ. I teach a women's Bible study in San Antonio. It's a monthly gathering, kind of like this. And I had had a really busy summer and um, I was teaching through the names of God. And the first, um, the first September Bible study, I was teaching on Jesus as the living water. And I'd had this um, women's event at my house. It was a shower. And you know, that's the one time of year you clean your house like really well and put away things. And um, I bought some fresh flowers for this event. And I, I bought them a couple of days before. And um, if you don't mind showing the first picture. <laughs> I bought these flowers, same bunch, same grocery store, unwrapped it from the same plastic, and I put them in the same vase. And a couple days went by, and I thought, what is going on? Will you show the next picture, please? I want you to notice the roots. One side has managed to get into the water, and it's drinking life, and it's being filled and it's getting the nutrients that it needs to flourish. The other side, although it is in the same vase, <laughs> it's not in the water. Ladies, there's a big difference between being busy for God and being with God. And what I want us to see here is that Jesus is the living water and I don't mean to mix my metaphors, but if we're going to be radiant, we have to be filled with him. 
We cannot give our kids, our husbands, our coworkers, this empty, drained, dying woman, because guess what? They're not gonna be attracted to that Jesus. But when I have awoken in the morning, is awoken a word? No, I don't think so, but that's okay. When I wake in the morning and I spend time with the Lord and he's filling my cup and he's giving me truth and he's teaching me about my day and he's speaking to me for my word, it's supernatural. When I have met with him and I'm with him, guess what? I can come out of that place. And when my toddler has decided to draw on the cabinets, or my husband forgets whatever he tends to forget. <laughs> or I have to deal with coworkers. You know what? They're not getting my flesh in that moment. Praise the lamb. Amen. <laughs> because all of our flesh is ugly. All of our flesh, and when I say flesh, I mean our sinful nature. It's all ugly. It's all selfish. It's all cranky and it all has PMS at the exact same time. Okay? <laughs> But I want you to keep this imagery in your head because you can be a church mouse. You can be in the house when the doors are open and if you personally have not been with Jesus, then you're gonna be withered up and dry. There is no substitute for our own time with Christ. A radiant woman meets with Jesus. A radiant woman meets with Jesus. Last thing, I'll go ahead and tell you the blank and then I will explain it. A radiant woman hopes, everyone say hopes. Hopes, hopes in Jesus. Did you know there's a difference between believing in Jesus and hoping in Jesus? Believing in Jesus is this intellectual assent that says, yes, I believe Jesus is God. Yes, I believe he came to save the world. Yes, I believe he is powerful, supernatural, all those things. Guess what the Bible says? The de demons believe in that. And they shudder. To hope in Jesus is to say, my, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. He is my confidence. He is my security. He is my anchor. He is the one that carries me. It's this personal relationship with God where you can look at the world and go, he's got this, Amen. right? He's got this and whatever this is. And I, I just need every eye here for a second. As born again, Jesus-loving women, let me just assure you, our enemy will still tempt us to put our hope in something other than the Lord. Because here's what the world's watching. They're not watching our creeds and our confessionals. They're watching to see if Jesus makes any difference at all in your peace, in your anxiety, in your hope for the future, in how you respond to trials, and how you raise your kids. The world is watching like, great, you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Buddha, big deal. Is there a difference between believing and hoping in Jesus who is the deliverer, who is the source of your faith? Is there a difference between what you hope in and what I hope in? See, as women of God, 
when we put our hope in Christ, not just our belief in Christ, when we put our hope in Christ, we are believing he's fighting our battles, amen? We're believing that when I come to him in prayer, he's hearing me and my prayers are moving some mountains out there, amen? And so as you are naturally loving God, spending time with God, as people around you watch you hope in him, in the middle of cancer, in the middle of the unspeakable divorce that you never thought you would go through, as you hope in him and say, he is my anchor, whatever Satan brings against me, my God will win. When you do that, the world says, she's got something I don't have. When we hope in God, here's what happens to us. We become women who are at rest. Now that word is something that we don't use a lot, except maybe at nap time or maybe on Sundays I'm gonna rest. But when the Bible talks about rest, it talks about this place called Shalom. It's where our souls have peace, where our souls can be in this world that's filled with calamity and chaos and darkness and disease. And there's a state at our being that is at peace. It's called shalom, it's called rest. And the reason we are at shalom is because we know our God is with us, amen? Remember God told Moses, I will go with you and I will give you rest. See what I'm talking about? So when we hope in God, we're not just saying, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian, I believe these certain things. We are actively putting our hope in him in the midst of, everyone say in the midst of? Whatever it is we're walking through. And when we do that, the rest and peace and shalom that we have speaks a powerful message to the world that her God is not just an intellectual set of beliefs. Her God is the with her God. His presence is surrounding her and he's fighting her battles. And tell me who doesn't want that? I came to see um, the significance of this one Christmas many years ago when I was still single and single girl living, um, my family lived about two hours away um, in my hometown. And so every Christmas I would go home uh, to spend with them. And one Christmas, um, and we had this tradition, my parents and I, we would watch It's a Wonderful Life. I have seven siblings and they would go home to their families and come back over Christmas morning. But Christmas Eve was just me and my mom and dad and we would watch It's a Wonderful Life. Well, this year, everyone was tired. My parents went to bed early and I'm on the couch watching this movie and I just, I guess I've drifted off to sleep. And I wake up and it's about two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning and I have this cold chill down my spine. And I sit up on the couch and the TV is right over here and I sit up on the couch and I sense there's something wrong. And I turn around and I swivel and my parents have these sliding glass doors that enter into like the dining room and here's the living room. And I look over and then two burglars dressed in all black, ski mask, all I can see their eyes, and these big black duffel bags, they are in the house here to steal Christmas. They are the Grinch. I am not making this up. 
And have you ever been so afraid that you lose oxygen? You know what I'm saying? You lose your breath. And I, I, in that moment, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything, okay? I, I didn't know if they, had an arm, if they were armed. I didn't know what was happening. But as soon as I got breath again, I did what only a good Texas or Arkansas girl would do. I screamed, Daddy, get the gun! Like... <laughs> Red states, come on. I screamed. And my father, bless his heart, has been waiting for this moment his entire life. I promise you. He comes out. I did not know a man that had polio at age 12, who's 70 years old, could run that fast with a Smith & Wesson, okay? He comes out, locked and loaded, praise God, when time I screamed it, they ran, okay? And my dad comes out, where are they, where are they, where are they, you know? So, apparently, someone was supposed to lock the doors before she went to bed, and I failed to do that. So, my uh, dad goes around the house and he checks all the doors, checks the windows, everything. Whew. My heart is beating out of my chest. Like I'm ever going to sleep, like anyone's going to rest now, okay? So I get back on the couch and I put on something like an infomercial and watch Cindy Crawford or whatever, you know, I'm not sure what I'm doing at three in the morning. And I hear the sound of my dad walking through the house. And finally he comes and sits in his chair, you know, that horrific thing that your father owns. And within a minute, I'm dead asleep. And I thought about it the next day, what made me go from complete anxiety and fear to total rest? It was the presence of my father. And ladies, what I want you to understand, to a watching world, they're not asking for you to argue with them about apologetics. To a watching world, they're not asking you to show them how sinful they are. The world wants to see that the presence of God makes a difference in our lives and that we have peace, that we have joy, we have shalom, no matter the crazy that's going around us, that we have the presence of God so we can look at life and go, he's got this. He's got this. Father God, I thank you for just pouring out your spirit as you poured out the rain this morning. And God, I know a lot of women in this room are in really challenging places right now with children who are walking away, with marriages that are in difficulty, with places that they work, God. But mostly, God, we're thirsty for you. I ask God for every woman in this room that you would fill her cup this weekend. I ask God that you would fill her to the overflow that she would leave here and just as Moses was radiant from meeting with God that when she goes home, that people would say, you look different. God, show your face to us this weekend. We pray this in the name above all names, the name of Jesus, amen. This episode of Inspire On The Go is over, but we hope you'll be back next Monday for the latest episode. In the meantime, you can visit absc.org forward slash inspire podcast to find more episodes and ways to connect with Andrea. Also, if you're in central Arkansas, you can find Andrea's radio show Truth On The Go at 93.3 The Fish and 99.5 Faith Talk Radio on Sunday mornings.